Well, hey there, this is Keith. Listen, before we start the episode today, I just wanted to take a moment and speak directly to anyone who might be listening who's still in the closet. Well, the first thing I want to tell you is that's perfectly okay. Do what is best for you when it is best. Never let anyone else pressure you in this decision. But let's say that you are thinking about coming out, or there's a part of you that really does want to come out, but you want to do so very carefully, very slowly, very strategically, and even very selectively. Well, if that's you, my friend, I've got you covered. I want you to go to the show notes and use a link there to check out my Selective Outage Method digital course. I think you're going to be surprised, and I believe it'll help you as you plan your coming out. All right, let's get on with the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Keith. I'm Keith Brown, and I'm so glad that you could join me for this podcast, where my passion in life is to help my LGBTQIA plus Christian family heal their church trauma, and hopefully construct genuine faith. Before we begin, let me just tell you a little bit about me. For the last 30 plus years, I've had the joy of teaching, speaking, and performing as a comedy magician in my in-person events all over the United States. I'm also the published author of fiction and nonfiction books, and one of the greatest joys I've had in life is pastoral counseling, coaching, and mentoring hundreds and hundreds of people over the last 30 plus years. I'm proud of all those things, but can I also tell you, I know what it's like to hurt, and I know what it's like to suffer deep church trauma, specifically around sexual identity, as so many of you obviously have as well. So if that's something that you can buy into and you would like to partner with me as we try to help each other in this journey thing we call life, then you're in the right place. I encourage you to grab a cup of coffee, sit at my table, and let's have a chat. One disclaimer though, please. I am not a medical professional, nor am I a licensed therapist. So if you need either of those services, please do consult a local professional. Otherwise, let's get it started here on Coffee with Keith. Hello, my friend, and welcome to uh, Bible Talks. I'm Keith Brown. So glad you could join me. And we are once again starting or continuing our walk through the book of Acts. And today I want to pick up uh, with the eunuch that we talked about last week in the book of Acts in the eighth chapter. Now, you remember that last time um, Philip was told by God to go and this eunuch was sitting in the chariot, and he was reading from the book of Isaiah, and Philip was led by God uh, through a, an angel or message or whatever the case may be. The scripture here says that a messenger came to Philip and told him to go. So he runs up to the chariot. He hears the man reading Isaiah. The man says he doesn't know how to understand it because there's nobody to interpret it for him. So Philip begins where he is, and remember, I shared with you that I thought that that was a critical part of the teaching. He started where he was, and through that, he began to hear and connect the prophecy to Jesus. And it is on the heels of that that we find the following text, because beginning with verse 36, we see, as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, oh, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now, I want you to hear this verse, and then I want you to hang on, because I want to talk to you about it in just a few moments. In verse 37, it says, 
And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 37. Verse 38 says, and he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. And then Philip is carried on to some other locations. All right, so let's let's begin this Bible talk with a little bit of housekeeping, if we can. The first thing is this. I told you to pay attention to verse 37. And why is that? Well, here's an example of what I often see people do and say when comparing the more modern translations. Remember, uh, recently I've been studying the New American Standard, which, which is my preferred version when I'm doing biblical studies in the English, because I feel it is extremely literal and um, very accurate to the original text, as accurate as we can be. But here's the thing. In the King James, for instance, they probably will have verse 37 in, in your copy of the Bible. And then a lot of people say, well, why is this verse not in the NIV, for instance, verse 37? The answer is very simple. It's something called textual criticism. And although I have spoken on this many times and will continue to do so because a lot of people just don't understand it, or they simply somehow believe that it's um, anti-God or anti-Christian or anti-Bible when it's not. Textual criticism is actually just the opposite. It is the attempt by scholars, biblical scholars, to get to the best possible edition of Scripture that we possibly can. So why is this important? Well, in verse 37 of chapter 8 in the book of Acts, for instance, this verse will often be found, if it is in the Scripture at all, in your Bible, if it's in there at all, it is often in parentheses, or it may even be in a different location on the page rather than in the text itself. Why? Because scholars have determined, and textual criticism, which I had to do and learn how to do when I was going through my seminary experience, was responsible for looking at the copies of the text that we have. And remember, folks, we don't have the original text. Those are called autographs. We don't have them. What we have are many copies of Scripture. But here's the thing. Some of those copies are older, and some of those copies are believed to be more authentic or accurate. Remember, every copy could have a scribal error because these were handwritten copies. You can imagine if you were just writing a grocery list and somebody wrote out a grocery list, how easy it would be to skip an item, for instance, if you were making the list. Same thing when these scribes were copying scripture. It was very easy for them to miss something. Or I would even say there are times in later copies that scribes even added to the text above what was present in the earliest manuscripts. Why did they do that? Well, they took it upon themselves probably to try to better explain or to give their opinions or their beliefs into the copies they were making. So as biblical scholars do textual criticism, we try to go back, or they do, I don't do that much of it anymore, but they do go back to the best possible, possible 
examples and copies of the text that we can. So in this example, for instance, some of the oldest and perhaps most accurate copies we have of Acts 8 do not include verse 37. Now, it's a beautiful verse. It talks about faith and the eunuch speaking his faith in Jesus Christ explicitly. Now, even if we take the assumption that this verse technically should not be in Scripture, the sentiment is still there. It is implied because, in this case, Philip talks to the eunuch. The eunuch hears about Jesus, hears about who Jesus is and what he has to offer him and the life that he can have in and through him and decides, yes, that's for me. I want this one that is spoken of in the book of Isaiah. I want him. And as they're moving their chariot along, all of a sudden he sees the water and knowing the connection, he asked Philip, hey, why can't I be baptized? And of course, Philip says, you know, if you look at the verse, no reason why you can't be baptized if you believe. But the bottom line is, even if you take this verse out, you can still make the argument that the faith of this man, the belief of this man, the following of this man was true. And his baptism was valid. And it was important. And as he came out from this baptism rejoicing, he was happy. He was extremely um excited for this opportunity. And then, of course, the scripture says that Philip was taken away by God. And the eunuch went on his merry way. Now, if we look at this, and, and again, I said I wanted to do that housekeeping a little bit, uh, and I did. I think that's important for us to understand um, the scriptures as best we can, because I believe in accuracy and contextually getting as close and best that we can. But the one thing that I really want to talk about in this particular message primarily is this idea of baptism. We see and we know that baptism was practiced in these early converts in the Christian faith. We know that baptism has been a part of the Christian tradition, stemming from practices from the Jewish tradition all the way through Christendom. We know that even from the examples of early Greek manuscripts, for instance, that baptism was part of the church environment. So is baptism important? Well, me personally, because of my apostolic sacramental beliefs, I would say yes. And I think even for those persons who are of the low church tradition, and I don't mean that derogatory, just to make sure that we understand. It means churches that are not sacramental or liturgical or apostolic, churches like Baptist, Assemblies of God, etc. Those are called low churches because they have a low liturgy. They don't have a lot of liturgical uh, stuff in their worship and in their church experience, um, and they don't have sacraments. Most often they have ordinances, so we call them low churches. But even if you're a low church or a high church, I think that baptism is important. And probably for yourself, you've heard that. Why? Well, let's talk about it from the more apostolic uh, sacramental church first, and then I'll move to the low church. In the apostolic and sacramental church, baptism is important because it connects us with God. It 
has a way of supernaturally connecting us with the Holy Spirit of God. There is a also a um, church part of that, because when a priest or an ordained pastor baptizes, for instance, in this case, most often a child, there is a uh, ecclesia, a church involvement in that process, corporate body. There is an acceptance of that child, for instance, into the family of God. And the church is then responsible to raise that child in faith and bless that child with every opportunity to grow in their knowledge and their love of Jesus. So there is all of that that takes place in baptism. So not only do we see it from Bible, we see it from faith, we see it from tradition, we see it from the early fathers, we see it from manuscripts, we see it in church history, we see it practiced in the sacramental church. But we also see it in the low church reform tradition. Because if you go to, say, a Baptist church and you see someone baptized, it is most often because this person is giving a testimony, ironically very much tied to verse 37, but they're given a testimony to their faith. And you often see uh, hear a pastor say, be buried with him and baptized, baptism and raised again from the dead. And remember that Jesus himself was baptized. And Jesus said to go into all the world, baptizing them, um, and I will be with you always. So there is an ordained commandment by Jesus himself for us to baptize. So I don't think we can escape the idea or the understanding that baptism is important. Will it keep you out of heaven? Well, there's debate about that, and uh, I'll leave that for you to decide. But I do think it is important, and I do believe that if we are a professing Christian and we are a follower of Jesus, then the baptism should be important. Whether we're baptized as a baby and later confirmed in faith into the church and into the, the family of God officially through our confirmation, or we are dedicated as a baby, like in a Baptist church, and baptized as a believer when we are older. Regardless of which side of that coin you're on, both of them would say that baptism is important. And why is that? I think, to me, it gets back to what it means personally. In the sacramental apostolic tradition, there are promises that are made. There are creeds that are spoken around the baptism. And that person who is being baptized is connected to that, and there are promises made. And then again, in the low church, there is a testimony of faith in Christ, which is now evidenced through baptism. So regardless of which um, tradition that you fall under, I think that the beauty of this is to remind us, if we have been baptized, about the beauty of our baptism the impacting nature of our baptism. How special that was in our faith or how special it should be. And as we reflect on our baptism, it should connect us to Jesus. So today, I want to encourage you, think about your baptism. To think about where it was. What was the tradition? Is that still your tradition and your faith? Is that your belief? If that's your theology, if not, what is your theology? But if it is, 
Think about what a blessing that was for you. Reflect on the meaning that it had for you. And let God use that memory. Or if you were a baby, let God use what your family and church did on your behalf to remind you of love that Jesus has for you. And if you're listening to my voice or watching me on a screen and you have never been baptized, then I would encourage you to pray about it, to think about it. Whichever way you believe about baptism, whatever tradition that you fall, if you've never been baptized, I would encourage you to do so. Not because I said so, but because I know the spiritual connection that it creates with God and with other believers. And to me, that's pretty important. All right, that's it for today. Don't forget to heal your hurts, move your mountains, and may God truly bless you, my friend. Bye-bye. Well, there you go, my friend, this episode of Coffee with Keith. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. Now, please stick around. One more announcement I want to give you. God bless you. See you next time.